Hello, everybody, and welcome to an extra special Bananas Ape Tactic episode of Press YYZ, your favorite Canadian gaming podcast. Uh, you can watch the show weekly on youtube.com slash PressYZ, live here on twitch.tv slash PressYZ, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. EST, or listen to it on your own time on your podcast service of choice. We appreciate however it is you choose to support the show, but if you don't have any loonies or toonies or whatever denomination of currency you have in your country to spare, it's all good because we will be here no matter what. Uh, before we get started, remember, as always, to be good to each other. Discrimination of any kind, be it over one's race, gender, sexual orientation, or anything else, is wrong and will not be tolerated within our community. Uh, I have a intimate yet nonetheless spectacular uh, cast of characters with me here today. Number one, the frightening, the, his heads in the clouds, uh, the inverted, the man of many props, AJ Fraser. You ever get the feeling like you're being watched? Mm, Look out, there's sometimes. someone behind you. Ah, ah! <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> that voice, which you just so happened to hear alerting AJ to him being watched, is a special, extra special guest that you've heard on PressYZ in the past, albeit not on a mainline episode. It is the one and only the Patrick Vila Morris. Hey, everybody. Good to be back. Thanks for having me. Cool, cool. And rounding out the crew for this evening is uh, the shadowy Belland, the self-appointed H of HR, and finally, the phenomenal, the one, the only Nathan McInerney. Please insert Dirty Limerick in post. Oh dear. Oh dear. <sighs> Before we get started, let's do a quick little bit of housekeeping. Uh, friendly reminder, today is Transgender Day of Disability. A huge shout out to all of the trans and non-binary people in and outside of our community. You guys are awesome. And it goes without saying that we all here hope for a day where the rest of the world feels the same about you. Um, in terms of some of the content we've been up to recently, Nathan, uh, you streamed PGA Tour 2K21 over on our Twitch channel uh, this past Thursday, and I tuned in for a little bit of it, and I can confirm that it was a good, fun-ass time. Uh, can we expect any more streams from you on our channel in the near future? Yes, I will be streaming tomorrow. It is still TBA. It could be more PGA Tour. I might stream some Fall Guys. Uh, maybe if we can get some people interested in some Fall Guys, but uh, um, that's what I'm considering right now. So if anybody has other suggestions, I'd be down for it. So let me know. Cool, cool, cool. Um, recently, I myself have been playing a fair bit of Avengers on the PressYZ Twitch channel as well. Uh, I've been squatting up with good old uh, Mitch George, who, as of lately, uh, has been missing in action. We've been putting his face on uh, milk cartons here, there, and everywhere to try to find him, but no such luck yet. Um, as of uh, next week, I am going to be taking a break from Avengers. In fact, next week, I'm actually not going to be streaming at all on Monday because next Monday is going to be Easter Monday, and I want to enjoy the holiday to myself. Um, but the Monday afterwards, I'm going to be starting a brand new experience. Um, what it is um, is something that you probably uh, will know of if you currently are looking at the Twitch stream or have watched uh, my last Avengers stream because I announced it live there. Uh, but if you're not watching this, on Twitch or YouTube or uh, did not watch my Avengers stream, you need not worry because I'll be announcing it next week. Um, in addition to that, 
YYZ Video's uh, review of The Incredibles is currently now up on YouTube. Uh, be sure to go and give that video a listen or a watch on whatever podcast service of choice uh, you should, should show choose or on YouTube. Um, the crew, as always, is doing a phenomenal job there. And I want to mention that you guys should all definitely look forward to the uh, Ratatouille in review uh, that they are going to be doing next because there may or may not be a very special guest on that episode. Uh, TBD on that. Uh, finally, uh, last but not least, uh, I wanted to just briefly mention uh, that there's nothing else on housekeeping. I, I So this is the first time ever to peel a little bit behind the scenes that I've made a point of writing down all the housekeeping stuff we need to get out of the way at the beginning. And I had it in my head that there were just oh so many things that we had to get off our chest. But lo and behold, we're at the end of it. So without further ado, uh, let's get into what is new this week, what we've been up to before we head into our topic of the show later today, which is going to be centering around Donkey Kong Country. Um, Patrick. I want to start off with you because you've been playing a game that came out very recently by the name of It Takes Two. Uh, yeah, so, um, I mean, I guess real quick, I'm basically perpetually in a state of playing Apex, but that's like, we've all talked about Apex. Uh, it well, Takes Two. We will talk about Apex a little <laughs> bit later. I wanted to lead with the new experience first. That's good because I wanted to jump on that too. I, I love this game. I, like, it was... I, I was aware of it, but it wasn't even on my radar as far as like, you know, one to watch. Um, I, after seeing that it was a Joseph Ferris game uh, and it's Hazelight still, and like then suddenly, because I loved A Way Out, um, I, I decided, you know what? Yeah. Who are, who are you playing it with? Uh, I'm playing it with my wife. Awesome. So I was going to play it with a friend, but then the more and more I looked into it and it was, it's a co-op experience about a married couple fixing their marriage. I decided it would be much more appropriate to play it with my wife. Um, we are three chapters in We're we're about, um, probably about four hours in at this point. Uh, and it is just absolutely fantastic. I, uh, the, the co-op is I would say like the dynamic um, nature of the co-op. God, it, it's honestly the best co-op experience I've had since portal two. It's, um, it's just that good. So, okay. So I've heard, I've heard very good things about this, um, but also mixed things about um, how approachable and accessible it is necessarily to, Okay, you, you you mentioned you play it with your wife. Does your wife play a lot of video games like I suspect you do? Um, so I would say no. I, w- I would call okay. her a beginner. Okay, um, so yeah, because I, I, this is something that I'm definitely interested in getting uh, my girlfriend to play with me potentially. Um, but, you know, it, it, they're, they're, I have that little bit of a hesitancy in terms yeah. of like, is she going to understand it? And I've heard mixed things about that. So, um, so. To I mean to answer your question, she she has played a lot of Mario. She okay. she played a lot of 3D World on the Wii U. She played a lot of it again on the Switch. Um, she has played a lot of Crash Bandicoot, and she played about 500 hours of Animal Crossing last year. Uh, That's not that. But much. like Animal Crossing, 
Yeah. <laughs> Not that much Animal Shut Crossing, up, really. I'm at um, over 700. Whoa. <laughs> so, I mean, I played 15 and I was done with that game. That's yeah. 15 with no zeros at the end. Uh, but no, so I mean, I would say that she's a beginner as far as like um, mechanically her capabilities and whatnot. Uh, Animal mm-hmm. Crossing is definitely a game that you don't really have to have really a lot of, a whole lot of skill. Uh, and, and she's doing totally fine. Like she's, she's doing really awesome. well. Um, there are some of the, some of the platforming sections that are a little bit more challenging and that I'm, you know, I'm waiting for her, but it's, it is, uh, a situation in which it's like, I'm, I'm happy to wait for her. Mm-hmm. And there's only been one time where she said, I, I just want you to do this for me and just handed me her controller. Got it. Got it. Hmm. But overall, absolutely would recommend it. It's it's uh, I, I it's really really awesome. It's an incredible experience, and the characterization uh, so far into the game, it seems to be a little more a little more of a slow burn than I was expecting. But like, it's uh, it's really really good. And there was this this one scene. I'm not going to spoil anything, but like this one scene that we just played last night that was just really heart-wrenching and I was not expecting to feel this bad for this particular character, mm-hmm. uh, but it hurt. It, you mentioning at the very top that this is like one of the greatest co-op experiences since Portal 2, um, that brings back really weird memories for me specifically because Portal 2 was a game that I actually beat the co-op mode in entirely by myself using like two controllers that I was controlling at once. I, I had a friend who afterwards chastised me for not doing it with him. But to be honest, this is the kind of friend that probably would not have been able to get his act together to do it with me. <laughs> I I still thoroughly enjoyed Roasted. it, by the way, in co-op mode. It didn't like ruin or uh, let down my overall feelings on the game. Uh, but I, I'm like, should I mention that I have half a mind to play this game in co-op? But I don't I don't think I will. <laughs> I think I, if I ever do play this game, it'll probably be with somebody else. Yeah. So uh, this this game is uh, it requires a lot of things to happen in tandem. And so um, the throughout the stages, throughout the chapters of the game, it gives you it gives each player their own unique mechanic. And so like early in the game, um, I think it's. In fact, I think it's the first chapter. Early in the game, you're given, um, you know, May, the character that that my wife is playing, is given a hammer that she can use as sort of a hook. And uh, Cody is given nails that he can throw and recall. And Cody ends up throwing nails and May swings on them. And so there are things that, and then like, but he has a limited number of nails. And so there, there are times when May is swinging that Cody has to be calling nails and throwing them. And it's, it's really a masterclass in, in that, uh, you know, forcing players to use different mechanics, uh, in harmony together. Cool. 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 Um, AJ. Hi. You've been playing some more Skyrim as of recent. Am I correct? I, I have, I've been putting my series X to very good use. Playing, playing Skyrim, a nice ten-year-old game at this point. Um, yeah, really, kind of quick update um, on where I am in that. Um, I hadn't uh, previously. I had not quite gotten climbed the the mountain to meet the Greybeards, High Hrothgar. That's that's the the place. 
Um, but I've since done that, and I've since kind of explored around a little bit more. Um, and I think uh, I'm about to become a vampire, um, mostly because I don't have any potions of cure disease, and I am actively choosing not to fast travel. I'm trying to take hmm. in the sights, and I'm not going to every place at the moment because, you know, inventory limits are a pain in the ass. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't have mods enabled because that disables achievements. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm currently enjo in, enjoying that uh, quite a bit. Uh, I've only killed two dragons, the one tutorial dragon you kill, and the uh, one of them after it attacked me as I was climbing down the steps from from the mountain there and you know I, I royally kicked his teeth in because I'm the dragonborn Dovahkiin. Did you of throw course. anything off the mountain? I have saved scum a lot of things uh, in that on purpose just to just to play around with the mechanics and see what happens um, like uh, you, you know what I'll, <laughs> what I'll do is anytime I hear the uh, uh, a town's guard uh, do the arrow to the knee line. I will quick save, kill him, load back in. Just, <laughs> just, just because I can. It's uh, a matter of principle. Yeah, and I and I did some experimenting with. Oh, hey, I see a river down there. Can I use my wooled shout, which launches me forward and land in the river? Spoilers: I could not at the time. Okay. And, yeah. Well, Tried a couple different angles. Couldn't do it. Uh, how many times did that frost roll kill you on your way up to High Hrothgar? Um, so, so actually, fun, fun, fun story about that. So he killed me the first time. Um, I, I had, I remember in the past when I first played Skyrim on the 360, actually uh, kicking the crap out of him the first time he snuck up on me. So I don't know what I did differently. I am playing. Um, without a shield this time and using destruction spells and conjuration spells along with an axe so maybe the the lack of armor there is what kind of did me in and the the inability to block as well that probably doesn't help but um the it, it was funny because i after he killed me i was just like okay is there a way i can sneak around him and then i ended up kind of you know, for lack of a better term, skyrimming my way up the mountain. Yep. <laughs> um, and kind of getting around him. And then he just sort of phased into a rock and couldn't get at me after that. So I kind of okay. cheesed it that way. But on the way back down, he spawned, he like kind of reset his spawn point and uh, surprised me and got me again. So I had to. Yeah, I had to adjust my autosave point from 15 minutes to every five minutes when I <laughs> enter my menu so, so that I didn't lose so much time anytime something like that happened. So he got you on the way down, which on the is way not down. what happens to most players. Yeah, he got me on the way up the first time. Then I, got, uh, I, I respawned, got around him, and then on the way back down, he got me again. Yeah, vengeance. Jerk. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> So, hmm. yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's still it's still decent, still buggy as hell though. How does you know 
uh, uh, I was about to say Blizzard, but <laughs> that's not exactly the correct company. Uh, how does uh, Bethesda's like nearly ten-year-old uh, Wonderkin uh, compare to a documentary about Blockbuster that came out just not that long ago? Yeah, so my girlfriend and I um, uh, wanted to watch a movie on the weekend, and uh, we decided to watch the last Blockbuster, um, which is a documentary uh, about the literally the last blockbuster in uh bend oregon it's still open to this day even post pandemic um they uh they were able to raise like enough funds like with the the rumors of this movie and everything coming out and uh just the 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 nostalgia factor for it from people all over the world they have like a merch website and everything but uh yeah it's a, it's a very good interesting documentary uh not only on the history of renting movies and and what that experience was like but specifically this the the, in in recent years how this blockbuster has somehow survived and how they're not uh the the current owners of it are not going to give up on it no matter what so like um oh go ahead Uh, oh i'm sorry i'll be quick i was gonna say are they officially licensed by blockbuster or like a franchise store or how do they still exist when the entire chain shut down so i i um there's a satellite is it dish network technically owns the blockbuster name and license and all that stuff and you know they 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 kind of go into it on on how kind of negotiating that still works um especially when it's the last one for what is presumably a dead uh, service, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like but yeah, they license it out. It's a, it's a real blockbuster. Wow. So where did yeah. you, where did you stream that? Uh, where did I stream that? Was, I, for, I forget. Is it Holy Amazon? crap, I forget. Was it on Netflix? Might've, might've been Netflix. Okay. I'll, I'll look. I have an app for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about it. Netflix. I don't know if I've ever been inside a Blockbuster. Now, that doesn't mean I've never been inside a video rental store. I have. Uh, but here in Quebec, the video rental store of choice is Videotron. Um, and uh. so, like, Blockbuster is never really a thing that was part of my life, even though I, you know, enjoyed and experienced many of these same pleasures of a Blockbuster, just in, you know, a different format and a different brand. Wow. I so when I was a kid, I spent I mean literally hundreds of hours at Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it was it was to the point where it's like, you know, it's and it's it's an experience that I still miss because it's so much of like it, it's so much more than just like going and choosing a movie. It's like and, and I mean, you ex, you got the experience at Videotron, but like Man, I, I spent so much time discussing movies and shooting the shit about video games and everything with the with the employees, and it's just yeah. like it, it's something I I really miss. And there's a, uh, I mean, it, as long as we're mentioning alternatives, there is a chain of used, um, it's a chain of of used stores. Uh, they sell used books, movies, uh, and video games and records, actually. Um, called Bull Moose in New England. And okay. if you're ever in New England, like uh, 
particularly um, Maine, New Hampshire area, um, definitely look up and hit up a bull moose. It was very much like the blockbuster experience, but you're just buying the things instead of renting. And um, while I was living in Maine, it was definitely how I got really into uh, collecting. So mm-hmm. my my collection of video games is pushing 600 at this point, and it, most of it is because of bull moose. Where, um, where I live in Ontario, um, I'm just north of uh, Toronto, and the uh, here in town we had a blockbuster, um, which actually is now I think a jewelry store, but they kept the shape of the blockbuster sign. Oh, really? The ticket, um, and then and fi- yeah, and the ticket and and fit their logo and stuff into it. Um, but then we also had a jumbo video here in town, uh, which you know the logo was an elephant. And they served popcorn, and I really appreciated that. Um, <laughs> my dad lives in California, and anytime I'd go out to visit him, there was also a blockbuster in, in his small town, but also uh, within walking distance, a Hollywood video. Um, and I remember participating at the game crazy that was attached into the Hollywood video, uh, participating in like my first Smash Brothers tournament there. Uh, I came in first the first round and then got my teeth kicked in the third round. Um, but, um, no, the Blockbuster, actually, my dad got me a, and it's in, currently in my garage here. From that Blockbuster, um, the big wall, not wall, uh, window display for Pokemon Snap. Oh, sweet. Oh, um, and I have it currently rolled up in my garage right now. It's probably a little damaged from when they, they took the... the took it off the window and, and the tape came off of it but yeah it's uh it's a pretty good nostalgia piece and it's been sitting in my garage for oh god it's probably close to 20 years at this point yeah i want to say that's oh, something man. that you could potentially sell for some decent uh, oh coin. yeah absolutely yeah maybe i should give it to the last blockbuster oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah that'd put be it on really display. cool that'd be really cool just load it to them so it's yours yeah <laughs> man i i feel like I feel like like I could totally do a whole show on blockbusters and rental stores, but like I I think that the last one they also rent out as an Airbnb for to like make money and they have a like a pull out couch and everything for and like a CRT TV and a VCR. I I don't think that so that that is not a at all uh, something that comes up in in this uh, documentary that one specifically. I think that is somebody bought something. That used to be a and turned it into a oh okay Air, gotcha. Airbnb yeah I think that's something completely different yeah so it's not it's definitely not the one the documentary's about so okay I'm gonna go watch that for sure yeah Sweet. it's very good hmm. all right pretty cool uh, you mentioned uh, how the last blockbuster is apparently also on Airbnb um, this is a article from the official airbnb website uh store manager lists world's last blockbuster on airbnb for local residents uh it's impossible to forget the feeling smells and sounds of a blockbuster store's possibility filled aisles this summer the world's last blockbuster store manager sandy harding who has kept the bend oregon establishment running like butta since 2004 and has preserved the same spirit that was once found in locations around the world will be listing the store on airbnb for a very special reason in appreciation 
thanking for all that the local community has recently done to support the last of its kind during these uncertain times. Uh, this end of summer sleepovers hmm. will offer movie lovers in uh, Deschutes County, uh, the last, not sure if that's how it's pronounced, uh, the last chance for a 90s themed stay to relive the bygone Friday night tradition just as we remember it. Uh, that and did so, not yeah, come can... up at all in the in the documentary. But oh, that's yeah. a shame because Maybe it came really after. after. Maybe uh, it's also possible. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. If uh, the impression that I get is that this was a limited time thing, but if they ever do it again, you might want to hit that up if you live in Deschutes County. Again, not sure if that's how it's pronounced. Uh, Nathan, yo, a little event by the name of WrestleMania 37 is coming up very very soon. Tis. And you've been getting in the season recently with a little game by the name of WWE 2K20, correct? Yes. I'm going to make a very controversial statement. Uh-oh. WWE 2K20 is an okay game. All right. You're banned. Well, where are you playing it? On like, PS5. Like what, what console? Okay. So it's the PS4 version, obviously, emulated on PS5. Um so I've only had one. I wish I had. Um, I've saved the uh, the. I had two wrestlers combine into one wrestler. They were like a weird hybrid blob. Um, and that's only happened once though in like thirty hours of play. So while the game has some glitches, it's like like they're small and in between now. As I said, I've only gotten one after thirty hours of play. But I was playing the story mode, and the story mode is fantastic. Essentially, it focuses on both a boy and a girl create a character that you make at the beginning of the game and they're getting ready for their Hall of Fame speech that they're going to do and they Uh, reminisce with wrestlers um, before and during the speech about their history of going through the industry and that's kind of how each chapter of the game works and they set up the moving through the time periods from them training in Calgary uh, like uh, at the well not at the dungeon but at a wrestling gym to work in the indies to get into NXT to go into main roster different events like that at the same time um, during this somehow they managed to go to hell to try and find the Undertaker and battle a bunch of evil or like undead wrestlers um, the Royal Rumble happens and the main boy wins the Royal Rumble, but he finishes 30 and a last minute entrant comes out and you hear this presidential music and Secret Service are coming out and they're like, is the president going to enter the Royal Rumble? And I'm like, who's the president? And then the Rock's music hit and they're like, it is the president. The president's joining the Royal Rumble. <laughs> I'm wow. somebody who knows squat about wrestling and I actually found that funny like i actually understood that, that i'm like oh so... i get it this is and that sounds so wrestling too like yeah just pure wrestling so moa joe gets a bionic arm at some point in this <laughs> history and it just like the way they've like it's fun and fantastical but in like a completely good way and people were ripping the story mode when it came out i remember that i've had a lot of fun with it and i think it's just off the walls in the right way um and there's like 15 hours of gameplay to play as you switch between the male and the female during the story mode and complete it wow um, so i no one no one has ever even come close to selling me on any of the WWE 2K games since 2k 16 i think okay but that you got me close here with the brock being president entering the rumble 
Like the story mode's fun. Check out the DLC. All the DLC is like themed. Like one's a cyberpunk themed one. Uh, one's a horror themed one. One's like a Mad Max Fallout themed one. And they're all like different characters that you would like unlock in the game with stories that take place in those eras and like rings and everything that are like that. Um, wow. They went, this actually sounds really cool. They went off the wall with the game. Um, as Cozy was showing the video earlier, that was, um, I was doing just, um, there's ladder trees, kind of like in Mortal Kombat. Let me bring it back fight. up because that's yeah. a, it, it's a fun ass video. So there's basically you'll have different fights uh, on a ladder, kind of like when you go up the Mortal Kombat ladder, but there'll be different stipulations on each of them. Like you can take more head damage or you like the opponent has this finisher stored. This was a big head mode, which I didn't even know the game had. <laughs> and big you head know, mode some, in this game is fun. Some games used to call big head mode DK mode. <laughs> oh, Segway. Mm. A, a little bit of a preemptive segue, but I I, I appreciate yeah, the connection. No, I, I appreciate. The I, connection. I'm always early. Just ask my girlfriend. Oh, uh, <laughs> poor woman. Uh, got me. Um, what? But yeah, no. It's it's a really. I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's two years old. It obviously had its issues when it came out. There's no question about that. Two years later, it looks like they fixed most of those major bugs. It's still not a great game in any perpetuity, like in terms of combat, but. Like, it does what it needs to. It's fun. I'm pretty decent at it. Uh, and I'm enjoying myself. I guess that's... It's making me smile regularly, which I... That means I'm liking it. So... Yeah. Yeah. No, for Plus, sure. Plus, The Rock was president and had Secret Service that, come out and he joined the Rumble. Which, you know, after Donald Trump, that might... Anything is possible, right? So... I still think he <laughs> might run one day. <laughs> I we'll see. wouldn't be surprised. Um, and this is the first one that wasn't done by Ukes, I think, right? No, so yeah, it's fully done by I don't remember what the company's name is. I think it was Visual. Visual effects? No, Visual. You're right. It's Visual something. Um, they plaster that logo in the game. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, and Ukes looking. left to go do that AEW thing. I yeah, think. Visual Concepts. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, they left before AEW was a thing. So, but they are working oh, really? on the AEW game. Kenny Omega is a huge gamer. Um, yeah. So he's going to make it. It's going to be like the old no, no Mercy games. So that being said, in the meantime, with WrestleMania season, I'm enjoying 2K20, and I kind of want to get the platinum on it, just to say I platinumed 2K20. Is that a, nice. a difficult endeavor, or is it just like a lot of grinding? It says it's like 30 to 50 hours, and I've already put 30 hours in. So I have an expectation that I probably got a lot more to play um, to get it. But I don't think it's too, too hard. So we'll see. Uh, I'll be continuing to work on that over the next few weeks. Cool. Nice. I mean, yeah. it sounds like you've really been enjoying this game. Have you also, however, been enjoying another game that you've recently been digging into, which is Watch Dogs Legion? Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so I started that. Um, uh, so Watch Dogs Legion was free on uh, the last weekend. They were just doing a free, like, try it for free. And I've been really curious about it because I love Watch Dogs too. But there's a lot of negative press about Watch Dogs Legion. Not negative, but, like, the reviews weren't solid for it. Mm. Um, so I played the introductory level. The problem is on they only let you play the PS4 version even if you're on PS5. Mm -hmm. um for the trial 
so I was trying it out. I'm like, okay, so it's still like graphically, it's still good. And I finished the first main men main mission uh, or starter mission, and then uh, did a little bit of exploring around the city. Um, didn't put too much time into it. It was like, you know what? I do like this. I'm going to purchase it. They had it on sale, so I bought the ultimate edition for like sixty bucks with all the DLC that'll come out for it. And got the PS5 version and then restarted the game to make sure I got all the trophies. Because I could move my save file over, I think. But um, there's an issue with those trophies popping if you move your save files. So, uh, yeah. So I jumped into Watch Dogs. It's a good game uh, so far. I like it. I like the hacking. Don't love the fact that you don't have, like, a main character. Mm, yeah, I've heard that's a pretty major criticism around the game. Yeah, but the abilities are fun and you can do some really cool stuff with it. So I, I want to get deeper into it and understand more, but it does scratch an itch that, that I'm enjoying that I need scratched. So cool. Yep. I'll have more cool. say about that coming up too. Sounds great. Uh, I want to just take a quick second to briefly touch on a game that I know touched all of our lives last year, but I know this year we've been a little bit more quiet on and it's fall guys. Um, I checked out a little bit of Fall Guys Season 4, which takes place in the year 4001. Um, everything is just as it is that you previously remember, but now some Fall Guys have uh, Kizuna eye costumes and weird sci-fi costumes and the like, and it is not perhaps as annoying as it once was previously on account of the fact that most of the minigames are pretty new now, and so the people that previously were skilled at the older minigames are not as skilled at these newer ones. Um, but it is still the Fall Guys that you know and love and hate from before, albeit with some cool anti-gravity mm. stuff. Um, I, I played this with a group of friends a couple of nights ago um, that hosts another podcast I listen to from time to time. And we actually played the new um, groups mode in this game where basically you can... Mm uh team up and basically based on your cumulative um uh, performance as a team you can like advance together to the next round even if some of your teammates die you'll be like revived on the following round uh but we found that to be pretty challenging to manage especially if some of us on our team were not especially skilled uh, i know nathan that you were really really uh in love with fall guys back in 2020 have you uh, stepped back into it since the launch of season four yeah actually i played a little bit i uh, got to try the battery mini game i didn't uh because you can do playlists and select just like the new mini games and i just did a few rounds of just all the playlists so i got to try the battery mode where you have to light the tiles up the color of your team while holding mm -hmm. the batteries um so and it was honestly it was good uh it looks like they've made some good quality of life improvements to the game uh there's an among us costume now built into the season pass yeah uh, that you can unlock um so yeah no it's good it's fall guys uh, i'm curious to try the squad mode that like you were just talking about um i i think i still wish it i did i didn't i haven't picked it up since launch i think i still wish it played a little bit more like gang beasts i um oh go ahead no i was just gonna say it was funny that cozy was like it's not as annoying because of the skilled players and i never found it annoying because i was one of those skilled players uh, <laughs> that was pretty good at the game i i think i before i put it down had like 60 wins oh wow so that's dedication I, uh, go ahead i 
I really wish that the Fall Guys had launched with the squads, the squad mode, because um, I, I played a bit at launch and my wife enjoyed it, but I, uh, to me, it just felt like it playing with friends just didn't feel any different. It just it didn't change the game at all, and so and it, it's a really fun and funny game, but I just felt like it was a very uh, solo experience. And so now that they have the squads, I definitely think I'm going to re-download it and, and give it a try. Maybe maybe uh, jump back in because I think the multiplayer aspect of it was what was lacking in such a like silly and really really fun and cute game. Totally. Uh, speaking of multiplayer experiences that make some people want to scream. Patrick, you've been playing a game that is very near and dear to my heart that I was playing a lot of earlier this year, but that I've fallen off of a bit recently. Uh, Apex Legends. How's it feeling? Um, so I have, uh, full disclosure, I played a lot of Apex at launch, and then I fell off of it around uh, towards the end of season one, I would say. And then hmm. I dipped back in for a little while, like 30 or 50 games in season four. And then I didn't come back until the very end of season seven. Um, but since then I've played, uh, I, I've played a pretty significant amount. Um, I love apex. I, I honestly, it's so, so fun. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm not really competitive with my friends so i don't like to play shooters like uh call of duty and whatnot but the stakes in apex and the loop of apex is i i think is just so uh enjoyable um so so no i i've, I've really been loving it um i'm excited to see what we get in season nine uh i'm glad that maggie's gone uh, maggie was there there was some some lore built around the the new season eight character uh where a childhood friend of his turned rival took over the announcing and um took like was messing with the ring uh so so it was um it, you know it's been really good I've, I've really enjoyed it i'm getting some wins I, I play with a lot of my friends uh at least at the very least um two nights a week more often three or four nights a week uh just play through some apex i i main watson and i'm just all about watson and it's uh it is quickly climbing the ladder of my favorite multiplayer shooter experiences just based on the amount of fun that i'm having with my friends like i said at the top this is a game that i've fallen off of a bit recently because you know between press yz between cozy bears cooking there's just a lot of stuff that i need to tend to a lot of pots that i need to stir but once i get back to apex which is a matter of if not when i'm definitely gonna hit you up about squatting up because i've been meaning to find more people to actually squat up with in ranked mode and if you're down to do so i'm down to do so uh, absolutely. So I play. I haven't ever actually played ranked. I've, I just like to keep it casual. But I'm I'm totally down to like expand my horizons. And I'm you know, um, I, I'm I'm getting to the point where like I'm I'm watching a lot of YouTube videos and I'm reading a lot on Reddit about the meta and everything about the game. And so I think that I'm getting to the level where it's like, yeah, I should probably start playing ranked. 
uh, because I'm like my, my friends and I are consistently placing top five. Like if, if we decide, okay, we're really, we're going to drop smart. We're going to play smart. We, we place, you know, consistently top five pretty easily. Um, so, so yeah, no, I, I'm absolutely down to play some ranked for sure. When, when you decide to come back to the game, let's do it. Cool. All right. Uh, with that out of the way, it's time for us to head into our topic of the show, which for tonight is going to be Patch Notes, uh, the Donkey Kong Country series. So before we get started, let's just give our viewers a quick little introduction as to what Patch Notes is. Uh, previously, you might remember that we used to have a segment on the show called Video Game Rehab, uh, which is typically uh, about video game franchises and whatnots that were in some form of serious trouble, like Google Stadia or Mass Effect. Uh, not too long ago, we decided to change the name of it to the more neutral Patch Notes so that we can be a little bit more inclusive of franchises and video game things that haven't really experience an obvious decline and tonight's is going to be all focused on donkey kong which is going to be interesting because you know i would say of all the previous video game franchises and things that we've talked about in the past donkey kong country has not really experienced that much of an obvious decline i mean if anything many would argue that the last donkey kong country game to be released tropical freeze is one of the best games in the series if not the best game so there's going to be a lot of positivity to share around in this discussion we're going to have that being said there is also a conversation to be had about where the series can go next and how we can possibly bring it not back into relevancy but maybe make it even more relevant than before um before we get started i want to just quickly go around the room and talk about each of our individual experiences with the donkey kong country franchise and if we don't have any particular experiences with donkey kong country in particular just donkey kong as a whole uh so nathan going in a clockwise motion where are you at um so I remember when I subscribed to Nintendo Power and they sent me a videotape, a VHS tape about this new game called Donkey Kong Country coming out. Did I watch the VHS the tape look something like this? It might have. I can't remember. It's been a long time. So basically this VHS tape, Donkey Kong, uh, Donkey Kong Country Exposed, was like pseudo like an advertisement for the game, but also like this weird like 90s attituded up like back scenes look at video game development as well. Yeah, it might be this. Yeah, hence why there's a lot of weird jump cuts and nausea inducing weirdness going on on screen here and it's not just footage of the game which is what i had previously been led to believe before i looked up this video myself that's hard to watch honestly um yeah so i definitely had that put on my vcr got really excited for it i believe we got the game for christmas and um it's the only donkey kong country i played up until this wii u um because we never picked up two or three but i 101 percented that game and got oh, everything because wow. when you're a kid you get your games you don't get other games to play it was like at right. least at that age um in that time you'd get your game they cost so much money your parents wouldn't buy you another one now your parents are gamers and you get all their hand-me-downs and have an infinite supply of games <laughs> um but yeah no yeah 101 percent of that game got everything had a guide from nintendo power that would get it all and yeah so that's kind of where I said. Also, I played the March of the Minis game 
with Mario versus Donkey Kong, but it's not Donkey Kong Country. And uh, I came back for Tropical Freeze, which I thought was okay. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Uh, AJ, where Why? are you at when it comes to ye old donkey? Well, um, my uh, my I know my dad used to play a crap ton back in the arcade of the original Donkey Kong, and he really liked it. Um, my first Donkey Kong technically was Donkey Kong 64. Uh, I have some fond memory for that, but I know through various other media sources that maybe it doesn't hold up as well as my brain remembers. I, mm-hmm. I even had the, uh, the, the see-through green N64 that came with Ooh, the, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and like a yellow controller that looked, that made it look like a banana. And then the N64 was the jungle, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, both Donkey I, Kong, I was pretty excited about both that. Donkey Kong and Pokemon were up there with, Hey, we're going to give you video game cartridges, which are every color of the rainbow green yellow orange blue whatever color you name we have it yeah um and i'm not sure when i got this but at some point i got donkey kong land 3 for the game boy i know we've briefly spoken about it on a previous episode of this podcast where i thought it was a different game but nope it was donkey kong land 3 um I didn't I never I never beat it. I would play it every once in a while. I remember thinking it was cool that it had a yellow cartridge just like Pokemon Yellow. That was pretty exciting <laughs> to me back in the day. But yeah, other than that, you know, my my experience is very minimal in you know, I've I've picked up a handful of all the all the others like Donkey Kong Country on the Super Nintendo and um the i i think i even actually i think there was a kiosk in like a walmart or something with uh the the conga drums for like donkey conga or something right um and you know i i i had some fun with that but it never inspired me to go pick up another game of it i've heard good things about things like tropical freeze and donkey kong country returns it's just never been something that i personally sought out so hmm. other than smash and mario kart right of course of course uh of course. patrick i feel like i already have a pretty good sense of your experience with the dkc series uh but for those of you in the audience who might not know uh what's the rundown um so i i'm gonna try and be as quick as possible just because i have so much about these games to talk about uh i these games are like super near and dear to my heart uh, because when I was born, my my dad bought my sister, my older sister, an NES. And that was, you know, that was my first video game experience. But then for my sixth birthday, um, the N64 was out and I really wanted one. But my parents, it like it had just come out a month before. Um, and so my parents bought me a Super Nintendo and uh it was the donkey kong country bundle and so donkey kong country one was the very first uh game that was like mine and i still have that copy of the game with my save file from when i was like six uh it's it's framed in a shadow box hanging in my in my game room you might you might want to dump that save just in case because the battery in it might might, yeah uh, might wear out 
Yeah, I'm. Uh, I know. I, I know. I should do a better job of preserving that. I'm not wild. Like I'm not. It's. It's not so much the save. It's more the cartridge. Um, yeah. But but the it's it's in a shadow box, you know, framed and hanging on my wall. Um, then after I I don't think I 101 percented that game, but I might have because I feel like there was a time when I just went through and tried to find every single secret. Um, but, uh, then after I had just beaten the just ever loving shit out of that game, uh, my mom went out and bought me country two and country two is just so much better. And then, um, after I had an N64, I got an N64 for, for my seventh birthday. I went and rented country three and I went back to my super Nintendo played country three and then I uh, I kind of fell off of Donkey Kong for a while. Um, didn't play Returns when it first came out on Wii. And, and then I played it when it came out on 3DS. And then I played uh, Tropical Freeze on Wii U and again on Switch. Neat, neat, neat. Um, so I, I've talked about in the past on this podcast about how growing up I was very fortunate in that uh, I had an older cousin by the name of Michael Trevisono who was uh, more than happy to lend me his old Super Nintendo um, when I went to go ask my parents, hey, can I have a new video game console? My parents didn't want to buy me a new GameCube or PlayStation 2 or whatever would have been the hotness at the time. So they're like, let's just uh, get this kid a nice hand-me-down from one of his nice older cousins. And basically, he gave me his Super Nintendo and a smorgasbord of classics and not classics to go with it. Um, there was <laughs> game. There were games like... Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, the Beavis and Butthead uh, game for the Super Nintendo. That's really, uh, there was like, really good one. Is it the really good one? Yeah, it will, all the Beavis and Butthead games were really good. I remember playing that. Uh, I guess, I suppose I will have to uh, go back and see, check out with certainty to see if it actually is as good or as bad as I remember it being. Uh, but as far as games that I absolutely knew were good, uh, I also got with my Super Nintendo, uh, Super Mario World, um, the Power Rangers uh, game that wasn't based on the movie, and uh, the entire Donkey Kong Country trilogy. I played those games from front to back, I feel like pretty much nonstop for a couple of years. Um, did not get into Donkey Kong 64 on the Super Nintendo, uh, in part because most of the time I was buying my Super, uh, sorry, not, um, not the Super Nintendo, the Nintendo 64. Partially because most of the time I was buying most of my Nintendo 64 games um, kind of like secondhand, uh, and they were pretty pricey at the time. Uh, but when Donkey Kong Country Returns came out on the Wii, I was uh, pretty sure to snap that up as soon as I possibly could. I enjoyed the crap out of it. Uh, and I also played Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze when it came out as well, which uh, I enjoyed. Uh, but we will be getting around to that a little bit later. So I want to backpedal a little bit and go back to the original Donkey Kong Country. Uh, myself, you, Patrick, and Nathan have all uh, talked a little bit about this game. Um, Nathan, you mentioned how you 101%ed this game, and Patrick, you say that you have memories of possibly doing the same. I don't think I've actually ever... 101% in this particular entry in the series because while I do think that it is a exceptional platformer and a very important game both for Nintendo and for Rare I do think that it is a game that is 
not quite so good at letting you know uh, where secrets are located and giving you a good sense of how much progress you've made with regards to the secrets you've uncovered. And so I, I always, I, while I, I beat that game many times, as previously stated, it's not a game that I personally ever felt compelled to go back to and like figure out how to 101%, at least for me personally. Um, y yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. And I actually do agree with that sentiment. Um, I think that, and I think that this is something we're going to mention based on the run of show doc that you have. I, I think that Donkey Kong Country 3 is not remembered as fondly as it deserves to be. And on that same note, I think, and, and like, I love Donkey Kong Country, like, don't get me wrong, but I think the first one is maybe remembered through a little bit of a touch of a, you know, a, a rose tinted lens. Um Yeah. For the most part, you always remember. I, I still think it's a masterpiece. Exactly, but I, I still think it's a masterpiece. But like, it's. I, I think that it's given the most leeway through nostalgia. Well, it's one of those things where whenever there's been an opportunity for Nintendo to put the Donkey Kong Country series front and center, it always feels like they put this game first before the second game or the third game. Um, when they released yeah. the SNES Classic uh, a couple of years prior, uh, they only had this game on that console. Oh, man. And it was disappointing for me. We'll, we will get into it in a little bit more. But yeah, I feel pretty strongly about Donkey Kong Country 3. I think that it's very underrated. And, you know, sometimes great games don't become truly recognized for their greatness until there's like a grand swell of support from fans and or they see a major re-release it's what happened with games like persona 4 for example or suicoden 2 or even something like uh, among us in recent memory and i remember when the snes classic was announced i was thinking oh if they put Donkey Kong Country 3 on this console, this could be an opportunity for many people to go back and discover this game. People will, you know, bring home their new SNES Classic, they'll open it up on Christmas, and they'll see, oh, hey, Donkey Kong Country 3, might as well check it out. And it could lead to a new resurgence of interest in that particular game. But instead, Nintendo insisted on just packaging the original DKC with it, which I feel was just short-sighted thinking. I it, well, it's it's the most iconic of the three, but like I had major beef with Nintendo when they didn't when they didn't put Country Two on that SNES Classic. I had a bigger issue with the fact that Chrono Trigger wasn't on it. Oh, I yeah, that's a good one too. I like that. That's a major major oversight. Yeah, it's a it, Nintendo's a company that makes weird decisions to what? say the least. Well, Mario might die in a few hours, so yeah, potentially. <laughs> That's a good point. It, yeah, no, the um, with the, with the SNES Classic and everything, like all of, I don't know about all all of them, but I know they've also put some of the stuff on the Switch Online thing. All three of them um, are on there yeah. now, I think. Yes, are they? they are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you do have access to it that way. It's just still perplexing how nintendo's gonna nintendo when it comes to this sort of thing just just put it all out there and people will buy it come on yeah yeah i mean even if like the snes classic that one was 80 bucks if i remember right i mm -hmm. guess i'm not sure what it was in canadian but like um it was, it was 80 like bucks. bucks yeah honestly put give me and it had 20 games give me mm -hmm. 60 60 of the best 
uh, SNES games, I'll give you 200 bucks for that. Um, so yeah. I modded my Famicom Classic to add all the games that were missing that should have been on there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, Valid. Yeah, I was like... Um, I Like, Chrono Trigger being on it was a miss. I did add Donkey Kong Country 3 and was playing it on there. Because um, I like, I'd heard Cozy talk about it actually, and I wanted to play it. And uh, but it, yeah, it didn't quite stick with me. But maybe that's just having other things to play. I'm not sure. I, I think that Both I think that there old. are reasons. I, I mean, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about Country Three in a bit. But like, I have thoughts. I, I'm very torn on Country Three. Mm. Uh, now. Before we move on to talking about Country 3 or even Country 2, there is actually something about Country 1 that I do want to touch on that I saw that you made a note of, which is some of the weird lore surrounding the first Donkey Kong Country. Uh, Basically, within that game, they establish that Cranky Kong, the kind of wizened old Mm. monkey who imparts pearls of wisdom to you and Diddy Kong, is the original DK from the 1981 arcade game. And this is something that Rare's employees have maintained to this very day. Uh, However, it's something that Nintendo has sort of remained mum on. They've never really kind of confirmed or denied exactly what Cranky Kong's relationship is with the rest of the Kong family. I personally... uh, I personally am all down for Cranky Kong being the original Donkey Kong, but I don't know where you guys stand on it. That's what I always thought was canon with it. Like I, when you turn the game on, he's cranking his crankophone. Yeah, exactly. Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, he's cranking the crankophone or whatever it's called, uh, the gramophone, and it's got the red construction stuff, and it falls. Yeah. Am I saying yeah. that right? Yep. No, yeah, and absolutely. It's been a while, so but that's very distinct. I don't think I've distinct. ever picked that up. I, d- I don't think I ever picked up on that little Easter egg part of it. I've just heard that oh, Cranky Kong is supposed to be the original Donkey Kong, and wow, I think to to know that that little Easter egg's in there, that's neat. And I think that they actually confirm it in uh, the dialogue as well. But yeah, what we're seeing here on screen. It's you see the red construction rafter or um, uh, God, I'm losing the word. The, the but steel like, beams, whatever. Exactly, yeah. and then and that's from the original game, and he's playing the the theme from the original game, mm-hmm. and um, and then I think they even confirm in dialogue that, or maybe it was in the manual for the game that this Donkey Kong is uh, the original Donkey Kong's grandson Mm. and yet this donkey kong's dad who would presumably be donkey kong jr never appears in this trilogy he never appears again honestly the last time we saw him was super mario kart so the donkey kong the donkey kong we know has a deadbeat dad exactly yes (laughs) and maybe he died during the filming of mario kart because it's obviously the current mario or the current donkey kong in 64 Exactly. Yeah. The last time we saw him was Mario uh Super Mario Kart. Yeah. 
This so, is, yeah, it's it's definitely a conundrum. There have been a lot of like fun, kind of tongue in cheek, but also semi serious uh, videos that have popped up on YouTube over the past few years. They're like trying to make sense of the Donkey Kong Country series lore and chronology. There's apparently something like called the Great Ape War that happens at some point <laughs> that somehow connects all of this stuff together. I encourage everybody to go look that stuff up. Well, and and also, I mean, going off that same thread is like, how is a chimp? How how is how is an ape the the uncle to a chimp? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. It, Wait, it's, what? It's called evolution. Look. So, it up. Uh, so Donkey Kong is Diddy's uncle. I thought they were friends. Uh so would that imply I that might, Donkey I Kong has a brother that. we've never seen? Uh, so, I thought they implied Donkey and Funky were brothers. The family. So Funky is Diddy is Donkey. Funky's son. I think they have another oh. brother that we don't hear about. I don't know. Huh. I should have brushed up on my Donkey Kong lore. Honestly, uh, this is a bit embarrassing. I've always yeah, just totally thought they fine. were friends, but they could be <laughs> nephew and uncle. I know that at some point they refer to Diddy as Donkey's little buddy, but I'm not sure if that's like, like they, I, I feel like he's their uncle. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure. Relationship. The, I think it's safe to say that, you know, the relationship between Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong and Cranky Kong and all the various other Kongs that appear in Donkey Kong Country 1 will probably remain nebulous for some time to come until Incestuous. Nintendo puts out like Donkey Kong Historia, the official guide to the Donkey Kong Country series. Um, However, one relationship in the Donkey Kong Country that's pretty clear cut is the relationship between Diddy Kong and Dixie Kong, uh, the latter of whom was introduced in Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest in 1995. Um, So, you know, as uh, you, Patrick, and myself have talked about, this is a game that is both very near and dear to both of our hearts. We're both in agreement that this game is pretty much a, like, across the board, tremendous improvement over the original Donkey Kong Country. And Again, as we were talking about previously, it's too bad that along with 3, this game also tends to get excluded from a lot of moments where Nintendo re-releases the Donkey Kong Country series or draws attention to it. Uh, Yeah, so I I feel like DKC2 gets... um, I'm hesitant to say appropriate love from the fan base because I personally think DKC2 is as close to a perfect game as has ever been made. Um, but so it's like, can it really get enough love? But it does get a tremendous amount of love from the fan base. Uh, but but I, I'm it, not really from Nintendo, though, which is kind of baffling. And especially, mm. like you mentioned, Dixie Kong. Dixie Kong is maybe the best new character brought into a sequel ever like her mechanically she 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 changes the game um and then like character wise her relationship with diddy is is i mean they've never focused on story but it's interesting um and 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 she's just as badass and just as like capable as diddy and and i felt like in country one 
I was always favoring Diddy. And and to this day, I still favor Diddy. I, I If I have both, I play as Diddy. I, um, I used to favor Donkey just because I appreciated the you know extra strength of his jumps, particularly when fighting some of the yeah. crown ones that require a little bit more force to jump on. Uh, but uh, I totally understand your love for Diddy. Yeah, no, I and and Donkey Kong, like don't get me wrong, I love Donkey. Um, but then in Country Two, Dixie was so such a such a good addition that I switch back and forth pretty consistently because I feel like the balance between their capabilities, Diddy's speed versus Dixie's flying capability, is just so uh, perfectly peppered in into each level it, it, that like I'm I'm constantly switching between the two. Yeah, I used to, I definitely used to play Dixie Kong pretty heavily because I appreciated the preciseness that her, uh, like, spinning hair ability uh, allowed for. Um, I will say, as I've become more and more skilled at Donkey Kong Country 2 over the years, I definitely have found myself switching between the two, uh, especially for the little extra edge that D, uh, Diddy's jumps provide that Dixie is lacking in. Uh, but yeah, totally in agreement there. Uh Nathan, I'm I'm curious about you because you know you talked about how much you played Donkey Kong Country one back in the day. Like, what exactly is your story with this game? Did you ever have any kind of want after beating the first Donkey Kong to check this game out? And um, if so, like, kind of was it just a matter of like not being able to secure the funds or the moment, or it just sort of passing you by? I think it passed by. Uh, I definitely went through a phase on, especially with the Super Nintendo. Uh, falling into JRPGs and getting out of platformers when I discovered um, Final Fantasy uh, Legend 3 for my Game Boy and then I found out there were other Final Fantasies I could play on the Super Nintendo. Um, so, and those, that's where I'd spend most of my time on the Super Nintendo, whether it be Final Fantasy 6, Chrono Trigger, um, Breath of Fire series. Breath of Fire 2 is still probably my favorite RPG of all time. Um, and it just kind of... Yeah, it just passed by me. Um, it never seemed like something I needed to play. I felt like I had my experience with the first one. I did try 64 when 64 came out because that was on a new system. Right. So. Man, I I would really recommend you go back and try this on Switch because it's it's just, like like Cozy said, it's it elevates every single aspect of Country 1. Like, and as hard as it as it is to believe, even the music, because the music of Country One, David Wise's soundtrack, was incredible. Um, the music of Country Two is just out of this world. It's just so unbelievably fantastic. Um, and and like I, uh, there's there's one song in particular, uh, "Mining Melancholy," uh, appears in the in the levels um Cannon's claim and also Windy Well. Mm-hmm. And it's just there there are two levels that demonstrate incredible visuals, incredible soundtrack, incredible level design and uh and they're just god, I just I can't get over how good the music is in this game. And I really don't think that the series uh topped the music of this of this particular game um as a whole ever but the they didn't they certainly didn't reach uh the high of really 
any of any of the tracks in Country Two until Tropical Freeze. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much in total agreement with you there. Um, I, I will say I like this is one of those things where like I kind of go back and forth on it. Like on any Monday, I'll be oh. I think that my favorite Donkey Kong Country track is Aquatic Ambience uh, from the first Donkey Kong Country when you're in an underwater level. Oh, yeah. And then on Tuesday, I'll be so like, good. ah, I love Bramble Scramble when you're in any of the <sighs> Bramble levels, which I'm going to say right here and right now is my favorite Donkey Kong Country track at the moment from two and from the entire series. Uh, but like it could change at any given day. There are some fantastic tracks in this game and in all the games. Oh yeah, uh, Bramble Scramble sta- stands stands out. Um, for me, if I if I had to pick one, uh, it's I'm not sure what the name of the track is, but it's in um, Amiss Abyss in uh, Tropical Freeze. It's just just absolutely stunning music. Hmm. Uh, Chad Michael in this in the chat also points something out. Uh, that I feel is uh, worth mentioning, which is that in DKC2, the animal companions in this game were way more useful than they were in the original DKC. In the first game, I feel like the animals' inclusion in some of the levels was... It was very kind of incidental. It's like, hey, you can uh, ride on On Guard, the swordfish, to give yourself a little bit of a boost in this underwater level, but it's not necessary. DKC2 really built a lot of the levels around them and made them feel a lot more useful and included them a whole lot more. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, Squitter, um, Squawks, Radley, uh, Quawks. There, there are so many of the animal buddies in um dkc2 that like you said they they built the levels around them and made it so that like even if you lose the animal buddy you are going to get them back basically right away because you have to be able to play with them um and or they, or they straight up transform you into the animal buddy in some instances oh, yeah exactly and, and so they didn't feel nearly as um I, I would say underutilized as they did in the first game like rambi is pretty cool in the first game but other than that uh, there isn't really any that really stand out. Whereas, you know, you spend entire levels uh, being dragged or being like flown around by squawks and, uh, and angel is, is, uh, is incredible. I, I love, um, is that, what was that name? The name? Um, God, I wrote them down. Uh, but uh, so Ratley squitter squawks, quawks, glimmer. That was the name. The the right the anglerfish, yeah, the anglerfish that appears in one level, and yeah, that was a pretty good level. Uh, oh yeah, just uh, absolutely awesome. The the um, you know, the animal buddies, and I'm sorry if I'm dominating the conversation, guys, yeah, but no. um, the animal buddies were really cool, and then also the the characters, like they they introduced Granny Kong, who you know, rest in peace. Um, is that Wrinkly Kong? Uh, Oh, is that what they? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's her name. Thank that you. Is her name. I'm looking I up. Don't know what. I'm looking up the family trees, and there's a wrinkly con. So yes, wrinkly Kong. Rest in peace. She she dies, and you interact with her ghost in Country Three. Um, but no, uh, wrinkly Kong. That's in, in Donkey Kong Country Three. She's basically retired, but she's not dead. I believe that she dies by the time of Donkey Kong Country sixty four. So between three okay. and sixty four. Gotcha. Man, need to brush up. Um, 
But then uh, also Swanky Kong showed up, and I just I love Swanky Kong because of how just like kind of skeezy he he really feels, and the the quiz mini games were always super fun. So oh, man, I <laughs> Country Two, what a game! I'm totally in agreement. Um, let's move on to discussing the next game where we might begin to butt a bit of heads, however, which is Donkey Kong Country 3 Dixie's Tr- Double Trouble. Now, this game, released in November of 1996, um, what's funny about this game is I actually think this is the game in the trilogy of Donkey Kong Country games that I received that I actually played first. Uh, as I mentioned, I got the entire trilogy and a whole bunch of other SNES games all at once. And so I'm like, oh, well, I can choose from anything in any order. And I think I wanted to try this game out first just because the subtitle, Double Trouble, sounded really, really cool to me. Uh, And I remember getting my ass kicked real, real quick into it, but still having a lot of fun with it. Um, In the end, I actually don't remember which game I actually, like, completed to 100% completion first. Um, but that was a weird little memory that I just remembered now. Um, so yeah, I think that D- Dixie's Double Trouble is really, really underrated. I think that it's one of the more underrated SNES games and maybe even one of the most underrated Nintendo games. Although I do know that there are a lot of other underrated Nintendo games that are definitely vying for that spot. Um, but I do know that not everybody is in agreement with me. Uh, I, I get the sense, Patrick, that you don't dislike this game, but you do have some qualms with it. Uh, um, so I, I actually really, I love this game. Um, I, oh, but you're okay. right. I do. I definitely have some qualms. I, I love all the Donkey Kong Country games, but I, it is, um, it definitely is a competitor with Returns as my least favorite. Um, but it, and I, I would say it's out, without a doubt my least favorite of the original trilogy, and I think that um, I, I think that that's largely due to like, you know, something uh, something that's not really widely known is by the time Rareware was developing this game, it was uh, the the kind of A team, the varsity team that Rareware had had moved on to Banjo. And this was just mm-hmm. sort of a project that they were utilizing the engine that they had developed in uh, in Country Two, and they were just putting out another country game. Um, go ahead, oh, go ahead. I realized why I never played the other two. I now oh. remember because okay. they didn't have Donkey Kong, and they were called Donkey Kong Country. I mm. uh, yeah, so, no, that's actually point. a really. It's it's a good point, and it's actually something I've always thought was really brave of them to do for because you know they're not they're not about story, but like to remove the hero and make him the damsel in country two was actually like pretty unique and and uh, a very bold choice. And then for in, country two, and then Donkey Kong three, you don't have any of the main characters that from the first game. Uh yeah. So they they transition you um, to baby country. Kong? Uh, uh, Kitty. Kitty, Kitty Kong. Kong. Yes. Mm. Who? Yeah. So, like, Kitty pass. Kong is one of those characters that, like, like there are many points on which I will defend uh, DKC3. Kitty Kong is one of those points where I'm like, mm, I, I don't know that I can entirely defend this. I like how, you know, in the same way that in DKC2, uh, uh, Diddy Kong's speed complements uh, Dixie Kong's flight capabilities and precision. 
that uh, uh, Kitty Kong's like strength and power and weight complements Dixie Kong's again flight and you know precision uh, here. But I think that the design of the character leaves something to be desired. To be honest, I yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I, I think I'm a little bit easier on Kitty Kong because there's another character that I dislike so much more in Country Three, and that's Ellie the Elephant. But like, I I think I just Kitty kind of gets overlooked because of my hatred for Ellie. So can we take a second to talk a little bit about Ellie, the elephant, because, uh, you know, I saw that you want to talk a little bit about Ellie, the elephant. Now you don't particularly like playing as Ellie coming off of Rambi from DKC one and two. Um, I I totally get that. Like, you know, coming off of Rambi, the rhino, which is a animal buddy that can basically ram into any enemy in the game and immediately defeat them. Um, it, it's it's pretty disappointing to go from that to uh, Ellie the Elephant, who is by comparison a you know way more kind of childish and cartoony character who has kind of slightly convoluted controls and um, like just feels at odds with sort of the tone of some of the prior Donkey Kong Country games. I will say though that I do feel like some of the more interesting in the levels are built around Ellie's unique mechanics uh, like this level which I'm showing on screen right here where if Ellie sees a rat character that is um, basically enveloped in light in a dark environment she'll become scared of said rat, said rat character and won't be able to jump on them um, which I can see how coming off of Rambi you might be like ah oh, it's kind of disappointing that I went from an animal buddy that can destroy anything to an animal buddy that literally can't kill can't even like, get a rat can't kill like the weakest enemy in the game but from a design perspective i thought it was you know at least at the time i'd like to go back and replay it kind of like a novel idea for a level uh yeah i i definitely i i do agree with what you're saying and and um i think that my beef with ellie really uh comes down more to like um the the sucking up and and shooting mechanic that she has it's it's uh significantly less straightforward than rambi and the fact that she replaced rambi and rambi was just this really awesome very raw powerhouse uh in the first two games but um i i think where i really started hating ellie because like you said the the um the art style for for ellie is much more childish uh, but I mean, I was a kid, and so mm-hmm. that didn't bother me that much back then. Um, but it was there's a boss fight where you f- where you play as Ellie, and the it's this face behind a waterfall, and it comes out and it spits water at you, and it just felt like Ellie's hitbox was so broken, and then having to suck up the um, the water, and then like um, having to suck up the water, and then position yourself to be able to shoot it at this face this is exact yeah so um it it just took this incredible precision that i feel like the the character was not really designed for uh and it it made it an extremely frustrating uh experience when i was a kid and i i have probably held that grudge too long but i don't like her Hmm. 
I, I, I totally understand it. I, I, I like I said, I, 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 it's disappointing that they substituted Rambi the Rhino at Ellie. It's disappointing that they didn't try to sort of seek a compromise and maybe figure out how to have both animal characters in the game. Um, but, uh, I, I, I do have a bit of a soft spot for Ellie, if only because I think that the design of some of the levels that she and that she's in, uh, is a little bit, it's interesting Unique. and requires some puzzle solving that you wouldn't have expected, you know, just if you only played Donkey Kong Country 1 and, you know, use that as a basis for what the rest of the series would have been. Um... I want to, by the way, just say briefly, AJ, I apologize if we've been boring you a little bit with all this talk no, of no, Donkey no. Kong's many animal buddies. Do you not no, ride no, no, the animals? Uh, you, you do in some. In the first one, you only ride animals. Yeah. And then in two and three, you sometimes ride them and sometimes transform. Oh, okay. No, yep. it's, it's honestly, it's, it's interesting hearing all these um, uh, different mechanics that I didn't know about for... Uh, these games I also didn't play. I've always had a kind of a curiosity for it, and I do have nostalgia for the original, but like I just never, like I said, I never moved forward on it. So, hmm. so after the release of Donkey Kong Country 3 Dixie's Double Trouble, um, the Donkey Kong Land trilogy of games concluded. So, for context, these were pseudo- Ports. I say pseudo because they weren't like direct ports of the original Donkey Kong Country games for the Game Boy. Uh, there was Donkey Kong Land 1, which was released in 1995. There was Donkey Kong Land 2, which was released in 1996. And then there was Donkey Kong Land 3, which was released in 1997, which I believe, AJ, is the one that you played, correct? Yes, that was the... It was the third one with... Um... The, the two Dixie uh, Kong girl Kongs and Dixie Kitty Kong, Kong and Kitty, yeah that's right. the one so that yeah so I remember now so you were talking about this on a previous podcast about how you thought yeah. looking at the box art that Kitty was female mm-hmm. right the, yes something like, something along those lines yeah like I know this is a game that like you have like nostalgic memories for have you been mm-hmm. back to it in recent uh, years to sort of see how those memories stack up against your kind of current modern sensibilities and experience as a gamer honestly I haven't um, and and thinking back to it you know I remember there being the um, there was a swordfish uh, animal buddy on guard um, and I think the rhino came back uh, at, at a certain point but um yeah, it's play. I played a lot of hours on my Game Boy. You know, the majority of it was Pokemon. But and any time I needed a break, I had a variety of games. And you know, every once in a while, that one would uh, scratch an itch that I, I didn't know needed to be scratched. Um, it's it's from what I remember, it's very reminiscent of other country games um, in in terms of control style and all that. It's um, my my nostalgia for it is primarily just more more or less it's nostalgia for the Game Boy experience in general hmm. more than anything. Absolutely, so. quintessential Game Boy. For absolutely, sure. yeah, absolutely. Kids today don't know what they're missing. 
I mean, it, it is kind of impressive that they were able to squeeze sprites uh, as complex as those onto the Game Boy's hardware. Like, obviously, yeah. it's it's pretty dismal compared to the SNES games that they were based off of. But compared to so many other games in the Game Boy's uh, library, it's like, oh, this kind of pops off a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I, I will say, I don't. Are, are these games available on the 3DS's eShop? Because if they are, like, I want to give these games a shot at some point. I have no expectations. I'm totally ready to be disappointed, but I want to give them a try because I think that as a Donkey Kong Country fan, I deserve it to give them a shot. Um, well, they, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. You're going to say uh, something I was, relevant. I was just going to say, they, they are available on the 3DS eShop. Um and I think the thing about the land trilogy is uh, because cozy, like you mentioned, they were, they were kind of ports, but also kind of not. Right. Um, and, and they were kind of like D makes of the country games. Um, and, and they, they later went on to port country and country two to the game boy color, just straight up the, you know, the full, uh, games they they moved those over to Game Boy Color, and I think that based on the limitations of the hardware, um, this the land games are actually better than the country ports to Game Boy Color, just because you know the limitations of the hardware. It, it's better to demake and kind of work around those limitations rather than just try to bring over just straight up the same experience, right? Much like how the Mario Land games, you know, didn't try to recreate um, the, the Mar- original Mario trilogy or Super Mario World or The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening didn't try to recreate A Link to the Past. They both sort of did their own things and definitely benefited from that. Um, exactly. They, they, tr- they tried to recreate the experience on, you know, less lesser hardware. Right. So well, after... Um... Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. No, just real quick. While we were talking about uh, 3DS and stuff there, um, I just wanted to briefly mention uh, how, how you know, Nintendo's got a Nintendo. There should have been more of those 3D classics released oh, yeah. for the 3DS. Yeah. And I think a lot of these a lot of these games would have benefited from the presentation in 3D on the 3DS in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, that's all. I I, I want to say like uh, the 3D Classics version of Kid Icarus got me to play and beat Kid Icarus for the first time. So I, I do salute that. But overall, I, I thought that the the selection of games that Nintendo had for their 3D Classics line was super weird. There was like Twin B and Gradius, and like if you love those games, great. But I feel like there were a lot of missed opportunities for Nintendo to give their old classics a fresh they, coat of 3D they paint. They do all the they do all those weird, like, like more slightly more obscure um, games from from for nostalgia's sake, um, and then they probably wouldn't do very well. And then Nintendo would be like, "Oh, I guess people don't want these," and then just not do anything uh, with it. That's so frustrating that they do that. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> So after the release of the Donkey Kong Land trilogy, uh, 
Nintendo decided to release the uh, original versions of the trilogy on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, the first one, DKC1, was released in 2003, DKC2 was released in 2004, and DKC3 was released in 2005 on the platform. Um, I also have not played these games. I want to check them out at some point, even though I expect them to not be as great as the original SNES games are based on once again. Um, uh, just because I feel like, again, as a DKC fan, I kind of owe it to myself to give them a shot. Um, the the one thing that uh, I knew about these games beforehand, though, and you made a point uh, of pointing this out in our notes, Patrick, is that the third one actually had its soundtrack redone by David Wise, the composer on the first two games. And you're of the opinion that the soundtrack there is actually better. Um, oh, yeah. So, so I totally understand that we probably can't share it while on stream just don't want to get you know copyrights but if if you get the opportunity to go check out you can hear it immediately in the first level of dkc3 uh on the snes it it's just this very uh upbeat you know um just this very upbeat uh fast you know kind of jolly song um whereas in on the gba version it's uh it starts off and it's just very quiet and and all you hear is the you know ambient sounds right but then it's it it leads into this very uh i would say haunting kind of kind of song um Hmm. and david wise just came back and redid the whole soundtrack and i think he even spoke about it in an interview i think i saw on youtube a few years ago where he said like yeah no i was working on banjo at the time i was really wishing i had been able to do country three and then to to get to come back and get the opportunity to do country three was was really awesome and and uh it it definitely shows in the gba versions um i hadn't played those until a few years ago and i i played them on an emulator but uh they're they're honestly shockingly competent like i said they're definitely games that i'm going to want to make a point of checking out at some point in the future um now, the next game to release chronologically in the Donkey Kong Country series was Donkey Kong Country Returns in 2010. Before I touch on that game, though, I just want to quickly go around the room. Did anyone here play Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, either the original version that released in 2005 or the Wii version in 2008? That's the Congos? Or the Congo ones? It was the one that was originally with the Congos. And the idea was that it was a platformer that you played entirely using the Congos. So you would tap on the left one to go left. You would tap on the right one to go right. And you would clap to produce a sound wave that would defeat enemies. And then the Wii version of the game basically reworked it into being an actual platformer where you would waggle the Wii remote to uh, do sound waves. It... I mean, it took away kind of the special factor of the original game by no longer making it controllable via the bongos, but it actually, like, doing so actually kind of exposed how, like, kind of well-crafted and competent a lot of the levels are, because you're no longer kind of, like, struggling with the bongos to go from left to right. You're actually, like, exploring the levels like you would in any other Donkey Kong Country platformer. 
So yeah, unfortunately, not much of a discussion to be had there. I personally, I played the Wii version in 2008. I really enjoyed it. I know some people would contend that the original Bongos game from 2005 is better and more power to you. Uh, fun fact, this game was actually <laughs> the first game released by the Nintendo EAD Tokyo team, which originally was formed in 2002 using a mix of like people from their Kyoto office and also people living in uh, Tokyo. And this is the same team that would go on to make Super Mario Galaxy and then Super Mario 3D oh, wow. World after that, among other games. I mean, it's not like, again, it's not like this team was entirely new, entirely from the ground up. It was a mix of both old and new yeah. talent that, you know, were experienced in making these kinds of games. But really, I think a real kind of uh, kind of feel good story of, you know, making this game that's that reviews really, really well. Uh, but, you know, obviously doesn't get a whole lot of recognition because a lot of people are like, why would I play a platformer with a bongo? Uh, and then <laughs> yeah. going on to make, you know, one of the Wii's most recognizable games. Speaking of the Wii, uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns. Uh, I've been talking Wait, a lot uh, for a while. Yes. Are we skipping Donkey Kong 64? Is it not part of the Donkey Kong Country universe? If you want to talk about 64, I'm more than happy to do so. So DKC, uh, well, no, it doesn't have the scene. See, that's a problem. Donkey Kong 64 doesn't have the country moniker in its title, um, but... It does share a lot of enemies. It does share a lot of the supporting cast. It does share a lot of design aesthetics with the older country games. So you're more than free to uh, say your piece on it here. I unfortunately never uh, played it back in the day. I do want to play it at some point. The problem is, is that like whenever I see people talking about 64 i feel like opinions are constantly torn about it one day you'll hear people praising it another day you'll hear people but bad mouthing it so i don't i'm constantly in a whirlwind of maybe i should finally try it maybe i shouldn't you know what i mean yeah i rented it from blockbuster uh tying that back in um be and it was a weird one because you had to get the ram cartridge so when they rented it they had to rent the ram cartridge with the game oh whoa wow. that must have been a nightmare so you had to flip it in and out every time you like the one that was in there and put the new one in. Um, so yeah, um, it wasn't a great platformer, um, especially coming off Mario um, Mario sixty four. Mario sixty four, yeah. Um, well, so it was Rare did Banjo before they did DK sixty four. Did they do Banjo before DK sixty four? Yep. Yeah, they did. Well, then there's no excuse. I think they went too much into collectibles. <laughs> If I remember correctly, like the collectibles they, were like too many both, for each of the four different characters you played as. Yeah. Character both, specific both, collectibles. Both games still had the same floaty jump uh, mm -hmm. in it. And um, I just I just remember uh, DK64 like. The variety of the weapons between the Kongs were interesting, but they were so hard to aim and control with the one stick and mm -hmm. everything. It's just it was a bit a bit of a nightmare. I remember getting stuck. I think it was on the there was a tiny Kong boss where she used her pigtails to spin up into the air and she had to try and like drop down on on the the enemy boss um and I don't think I got past that point. Yeah, I, I remember getting stuck on that one when I was a kid as well. Uh, yeah. DK64 is um, cozy, like you've mentioned, controversial. Um, but it, it's, I don't know, I, I've always been like pretty lukewarm on it. It's fine. It's it's no, 
country or a country two or a country three, but it's fine. Hmm. But I do have another uh, lost Donkey Kong game that I do want to mention Ooh. before we... But but as long as we're... I mean, I, I want to wrap up. I don't want to cut anyone off about 64 because there's a lot to discuss about that game for sure. Yeah, I... I have I, I, I want to mention right here and right now that if you guys have anything more that you want to say about DK64 and you feel like you might be dragging on things a little bit long, I am more than happy to devote an entire episode of Press Wisey in the future to playing and talking about DKC64. I, I keep saying DKC64, but again, there's no country in the name. <laughs> uh, it's so confusing. I, I will gladly play that game for the first time and we can all talk about it in the future because... Yeah, this is a... I, I love the Donkey Kong Country trilogy, and because of it being so expensive, it was never a game I picked up, but it was always a game I kind of was intrigued by. And if I, the three of you feel like I should check it out, I'll definitely look into it. That's right. That game was like one of the like 80 or $90 N64 games, wasn't it? Yeah, because it had a RAM cartridge with it. Yep. Because it together. could not play without it. It, it crashed without that ram expansion yep oh man and isn't this a classic isn't the story that like they couldn't figure out like rare never understood why the ram cartridge allowed it to run the way it did yeah and they they rare just went to nintendo and said gotta ship a ram expansion with every single cart (laughs) and and it was just one of those logistical nightmares that like is kind of a legend of gaming a lot like um a lot like the whole you know xbox 360 coffins with fedex Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah (sighs) all right then well after the release what was the other one oh oh yeah that's right um donkey kong 94 like oh yeah this game i i don't I don't know if you guys ever played Donkey Kong 94. This is the Honestly, one that begins as a recreation of Donkey Kong, the like original 1981 game, and then it extends. Yeah, yeah I played this one on the DS. Is it part of the country 3S. universe? It's not part of the country universe. It's it's uh, it, like like Cozy said, it starts as an as a remake of the original arcade, um, but then it it develops into its own thing, and it, it it expands and has a lot more levels that are a lot more complex. Um, but I think that if you're looking for a Donkey Kong experience on Game Boy, 94 is as good as it gets. Also, uh, as a hidden one before we get to returns as well, Donkey Kong King of Swing, which stars the current Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong, is a terrible game yeah. that I got for my kid. <laughs> uh, and Jungle Climber also. Don't don't bother with Jungle Climber either. Because you use your like right and left shoulder buttons to launch you into the air to swing around. Yep, that's what Jungle Climber does too. It's just not good. I that's a good that's a good PSA right there. Yeah, the thing about Donkey Kong ninety four is it effectively was spiritually followed up by the Mario versus Donkey Kong series, but there was never really a game that kind of. It directly followed up the exact style of gameplay that this game presented, and I always kind of thought that that was maybe a bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I loved this game when I was a kid, and and like I um, I had always wanted to play it again, and then uh, I bought an EverDrive 
a GBA EverDrive for my TS Lite a few years ago, and I loaded it up on there, and it's this is just a fantastic game. I don't think I ever played this. I played a ton of March of the Minis, which was like March this... of the Minis is a similar idea. Yeah, it's not more of a Lemmings. I, I've never played the um, Minis game, so I can't really comment on them. Uh, so March of the Minis. It's you'll have to excuse me because it has been a long time since I played it, but it uh, it it is like Cozy mentioned. It's born of the whole like Mario versus Donkey Kong, um, or Donkey Kong ninety four kind of birthed the Mario versus Donkey Kong series, and then March of the Minis does fit into that. Um, I think you might be right about like some Lemmings like mechanics, but yeah, yeah. You constantly use your minis to do things for you around the map, if I remember yeah. correctly. That's right. Yeah, that's no. Man, it's been a while since I've I I mean, I like the Mario vs. Donkey Kong series. I think it's I think they're fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, as I was stating earlier, um if you discount uh Donkey Kong Jungle Beat um, after the release of Donkey Kong 64, the next mainline Donkey Kong uh, platforming game would only show up in 2010 with the release of Donkey Kong Country Returns. Um, this is a game that I was pretty hyped for in the lead up to its release because this was during a period of time in my life where I could actually like understand, oh, there are games coming out in the future. Oh, they're coming out from this particular video game developer that's very renowned. Oh, it's time for me to get excited. And I will say I thoroughly played this game a lot. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this game a lot. I still do looking back on it, feel weird about retro studios being the developer that took on this game. I think that retro did a fantastic job with it, but it's just weird because, you know, during the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 generation, you saw so many other developers uh, transition from making, you know, more kid-friendly experiences to adult fare that really kind of tackled difficult subject matter. Naughty Dog went from the studio behind, you know, uh, Jack and Daxter and uh, Crash Bandicoot to the developer behind Uncharted and The Last of Us. Sucker Punch went from Sly Cooper to Infamous and so on and so forth forth retro studios was like this weird outlier during the generation where they went from the metroid prime games to donkey kong country which again did a fantastic job with donkey kong country returns um but it just i remember i remember at e3 2010 where they announced this game for the first time seeing there being like i'm really looking forward to this but this I have to acknowledge that this is a bit of a weird situation. Um, but that's just me. I don't know about you guys. W- was this something that turned you guys off when you first saw this game announced? I remember it when it got announced, I was just like, oh, wow, that's really neat. It It looks like a modern version of the old one. Other than that, I I like I said I, I I just never got to it. It's just one of those th- like I I I can remember I have a feeling of nostalgia when I think back to probably watching an old episode of X Play about it. Mm. Or or something like that. Yeah. But for for the game itself, like like or an X Play or a reviews on the run or something. 
electric playground all those fun things but i yeah just all the, all the media coverage but i just yeah the game itself i just never got around to it yeah i think i share some of the similar similar um thoughts to aj where i thought it was cool that they were bringing back like the original donkey Kong, and it had donkey Kong as the main character as evidenced by my said saying that i didn't play the other two because donkey Kong wasn't the character you played as right <laughs> um but i didn't own a wii until like the very end of its life cycle oh wow so um i just never as a playstation gamer um nothing on the wii was really jumping out at me so we picked one up uh, my wife and i near the end of its life cycle in a few games but uh, we that just wasn't one of the games we picked up interesting um oh man what a console i loved the wii and and like i i had and i still played my wii regularly when when uh country returns was announced but it just it just felt wrong to me to be playing Con- or Donkey Kong with motion controls. And so I like I made a conscious choice to not play this game when it was announced. And um, and I was not interested in it until it was announced for 3DS, at which point my ears perked up and I was I was all about like, oh, can't wait for this game. And and so I missed the first cycle of this one. And so and, and kind of intentionally so. Mm. That's one of those things where uh, I played the original Wii version. I played it with the motion controls for rolling. And I, at the time, never had an issue with it. I'm like, no, 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 it's totally fine. I, I'm i pretty confident that if I were to go back to it nowadays, I'd be like, no, nah, I much prefer the 3DS version, which I never beat, but did also purchase because I think it might have been on sale at some point. Uh, yeah, I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from with regards to the control issue. Yeah, I I was really excited. Um, I I do have very vivid memories of like experiencing that game on the 3DS. So like I had it marked on the calendar. I knew where I was going to be. Like a friend owed me some money, and I was in I was in Boulder, Colorado. Um, a friend owed me some money, so we went to this GameStop uh, over by kind of kind of close to Pearl Street, and um, he he owed me money and so instead of paying me back he just bought me this game and then we went to his apartment and uh and i just played donkey kong most of the night while he played age of empires and it was this this really awesome like return to form for the series for me i want to say i'm really glad that your friend was able to enjoy age of empires that night because like it's one (laughs) thing when you buy a video game for yourself but you're able to play it on your television and so your friend can you know vicariously enjoy it through you it's another thing when you buy it for your 3ds and so like (laughs) even if even if your friend is staring at the 3ds they still won't be able to enjoy it properly because the stereoscopic 3d effect is messing up their perception of how it looks you know what i mean oh yeah that's right yeah man the the i i played my 3ds almost exclusively with the 3d off um but yeah i mean he got to sit there like it was we did uh we did quite a few all-nighters on age of empires 3 back then and um and i mean age of empires 3 was pretty old at the time already but like we we definitely loved it so it was it was a good time and I, and I do have those vivid memories and it was this really um really fun and and great night uh but but it was you know it was donkey kong and it, and it was back to form and and i was really hyped on it and and i'm glad that i waited for the for the traditional controls 
I, I, before I move on to Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze and wrap up our discussion on the series, I, I will say, you know, reflecting back on this game, like we talked much, much earlier in this conversation about Nintendo has this tendency to overemphasize the first Donkey Kong Country game and downplay the second and the third one. And you can kind of see that in the design of this game where the only animal buddy that Donkey Kong has that you can ride around on is Rambo. Squawks makes an appearance as like a power-up that you can use in some levels. The, the only returning characters are like Funky Kong and Cranky Kong, who are both characters that were introduced in the first one. There are no returning characters or like much in the way of mechanics or anything from like the second or third games, which again, the, the, the quality of the experience that Returns provides is so great such that it's not that big of a deal but I remember at the time being a little bit disappointed by that yeah I mean it was this I I think that that was kind of by design that like they were probably a little bit nervous because the 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 series had been dormant for so long and the IP had taken some risks that hadn't really paid off Mm -hmm. in recent years and so it was very much an idea of like you know, back to the roots, let's trim the fat and let's just give people what they're really nostalgic for. And that was DKC one. And, and I do agree with you. It it did to an extent hold the game back. And I think that tropical freeze is a better game for, uh, including more of that, of that stuff from, you know, country three and country two and three. Um, but, but I think it was a good way to come back to the series. So let's jump right into it. Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, released in February of 2014. Um, This is a game that I very much enjoyed while I was in the process of playing it. Um, But once I beat it, gotta be honest, I honestly never felt compelled to go back and play it again. I have thought from time to time about going back and touching it, but I only own the Wii U version at this point. And I feel like uh, this late into the game, I feel like I would want to experience some of the improvements that the Switch version brought to the series. But I don't know that I'm like so gung-ho to play this game again that I'm willing to pony up $80 to get the Switch version. So TBD on when I'll ever play this game again. Uh, You know, the original, not, not the original Donkey Kong Country, the... Uh, reboot of the series with Returns was a pretty challenging game, but I personally thought that Tropical Freeze kind of brought its difficulty to a whole new level, and I think that definitely played a part in me not wanting to go back to it again. I felt like once I finally got it done and over with, I was sort of like, alright, I've passed this great hurdle, there's no reason for me to subject myself to its uh, harms again, but I don't know about you guys. Uh, Nathan, uh, earlier on in the podcast, we established that you are a savant when it comes to Fall Guys. You're you're no slouch when it comes to really, really challenging games. How challenging did you find Tropical Freeze? It was challenging. I think I found it frustrating more than challenging. Um, And it was things like the boss battles. I remember that first boss battle. I think it's on a, is it a pirate ship? I know the last one is. Oh, I can't remember. I uh, but I just remembered like the like there being like twelve hits you needed to do to beat the boss, and if you died, you had to restart the entire thing right from the start. 
and I found the boss battles extremely frustrating, and that really turned me off the game. Um, it, it just didn't seem fair. I think was my problem with it. Um, I think most of the other platforming was fine, um, like definitely challenging. And if you made a mistake, it was your fault. And don't get me wrong, if you make a mistake during the boss battles, it's your fault too. But it didn't. The price you paid didn't seem fair to have to repeat the entire sequence right from the start again. Um, as you're learning the like, and they beat multiple phases in these boss fights. So you'd finish your first phase and you finally get it down. Then you get to the second phase; it's completely different. You got to relearn that, and it was just as like this constant learning skill. You got to perfect it to to get like it, it, it. You know, I so I hadn't thought about this before, and I, I think I do agree with you. Like the boss battles seemed too long in Tropical Freeze. They're they're too long, and they require you know pitch perfect perfection um that that just didn't seem particularly fair and wasn't it didn't really track with any of the previous uh boss battles in the in the previous games yeah it's like they made it to be punishing and i get the game was supposed to be hard but they i feel like it was overstepped and it made the experience just not fun to play yeah no i i definitely agree with you about the boss battles that being so, said, though, I, I get the sense, Patrick, that overall you're way more high on this game than either of us are. Uh, yeah, I, I think that I would probably say that this is my second favorite country game um, behind Country 2. Uh, I, I bought it on Wii U actually not the day it came out. I, um, I was super hyped to play, to replay country when it was coming to um when it was coming to 3ds eShop, and i woke up in the morning and it wasn't available for download and i was like desperately you know like where is it where is it and uh some people on reddit told me well the eShop updates at 10 a.m uh pacific and that was i was living in uh northern colorado at the time and so that was like you know that was two hours away and so and so i just wasn't willing to wait that long um, or maybe it was an hour away, whatever. But, uh, so I, so I just drove to the, to the store and I bought uh tropical freeze because I had heard it was good. And I sat down and I played that entire game in one day and it was just amazing. I, I, I loved it. Um, I think that there are a lot of really legitimate criticisms, uh, for it, but, um, but overall, no, I, I really, I really love tropical freeze. Yeah, I, like uh, like with Donkey Kong Country Returns, uh, this was a game that I also it, it kind of peeved me that Retro Studios decided to work on this game and not on something else. Um, it, it, I don't know if any of you recall, but at the uh, E3 where this game was announced, which was E3 2013, um, Reggie and Michael Kelba, the um, I guess the CEO of Retro Studios, uh, basically, yep, the present CEO, uh, both sat down and they actually had like a minute long interview where Michael is like, yeah, we, you know, we wanted to go and make Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze after making returns because we felt like, you know, we hadn't, um, we hadn't kind of done everything that we thought we could do with the series after uh, the completion of returns. We felt like there was a lot more gas still left in the tank. And I remember at the time watching that video being like, "Mm, I don't think you're lying, but like, 
it strikes me that maybe you had some other plans in the pipeline for the Wii U that didn't work out. And then Nintendo came to you guys and was like, hey, you guys have already proven that you can do well by the Donkey Kong Country series, so why not go ahead and work on a sequel and kind of keep yourselves occupied that way? Um, but, like, uh, you know, ultimately, that's neither here nor there when it comes to the actual quality of the product that they made. And I'm, I'm totally fine with accepting that to a lot of people this game is a masterpiece and like i said i definitely do want to go and give this game another shot one day in the future because i think that i don't i don't know that i fully gave it its due uh back in the day why would why did i get it free i didn't pay for this game it was a free promotion and i'm trying to remember why i didn't pay for it uh, you know what? Nintendo did, a, because the Wii U was selling so poorly, Nintendo did a few promotions with a few different games where it was like, buy this game and then go, like, there was like a rebate code that you could go online and they would, you could then choose from X amount of games. It's how I got Pikmin 3 for free, too. Yeah. I bought Mario Kart 8 and I got Pikmin 3 for free. Yeah, because I remember getting, I think when I bought it, if I bought Mario Kart, I would get like one of four games for free. And I picked Zelda um, Wind Waker, but then I got that one free as well because I didn't buy uh, it. You so Wind Waker wasn't out yet when you got Mario Kart. Um, I think I got a Mario it? Kart bundle, like it was uh, a Wii U oh, bundle maybe. with Mario Kart in it. There was also a Wii U bundle with Wind Waker. No, I didn't get that one because that had a fancy okay, fancy joy. Yeah, it had a fancy gamepad. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Trying to remember. Yeah, I don't. I I mean, they they did they did those promotions quite a bit, where it was like get a free you know pick from these three or four games, Uh, and that's that's how I got Pikmin, and I never played Pikmin three. Ooh, you should play that one. It's good. I might I might buy it for Switch because it also seems like a a game my wife would like. Yeah. Um. So just kind of a thought exercise for the panel. Uh. If if Retro had not gone back to Donkey Kong, what do you think they would have made for the Wii U? Metroid. You think yeah, they would have gone Prime straight Prime. to Prime 4? I feel like Retro Studios is pretty adamant about not wanting to do Metroid so quickly yeah. after completing 3. I feel like... I don't know. There have been all sorts of like weird rumors and speculation about games that they may or may not have been working on over the past decade. I'd have to imagine that it probably would have been something... Uh, like very similar kind of tonally or visually to Metroid, maybe they would have kind of dipped their toes into the realm of online multiplayer. Total speculation, no reason to uh, put any weight behind that. Just a thought that entered my mind. Yeah. I bet it would have, I bet it would have been something um, original that we have no idea what it was going to be not like a licensed property something <laughs> they were working on in the background and then yeah, yeah. Just, something very um it's, it's so, just now on the cutting room floor and getting swept into a corner forgotten about yeah i i mean i feel like uh something that really jumps to mind is like it, like astral chain uh, hmm. you know something very in the same vein as astral chain as far as like you know it's from a pretty well-renowned developer they're they're trying something out sure and it's just not what you would typically expect from them 
there was also this is never like a project that officially ever entered into production but uh not too long ago there was like concept art that emerged uh that was done by some former retro uh employees of like a game themed around boo from the super mario bros series or uh chic uh, from the legend of zelda series and i'd be it would have been interesting to see those projects kind of reach fruition i suspect that what they actually would have turned out to be if they had ever been officially greenlit probably would not have been what we in our heads are imagining they could have been like i suspect that the chic game probably would have been what like very very ninja gaiden that's what I think we'd well, like to imagine yeah. it being, but Sheik Ninja Gaiden. That would have been amazing. Secret of Zelda. The Secret of Zelda that parallels Ocarina of Time, where uh-huh. Sheik goes around placing all of the items for Link that he's gonna need. <laughs> yeah. See the thing is is that I feel like Nintendo Nintendo loves making sure that, you know, every mainline title or spin-off that they produce is really innovative or unusual in some fashion. And so I feel like if they had given Retro the go-ahead on making the chic Ninja Gaiden game, they probably would have also mandated that they insert something really kind of unusual and orthodox into it. And with the with the gamepad in particular. Yeah, that could have been great, or who knows, honestly. Retro Studio is a very Devil's Third. Yeah, a very a very talented studio, Retro, but yeah. No no yeah. no studio is immune to making missteps. I mean Cyberpunk, right? Um, I mean, bring bringing it back to Tropical Freeze, though. I I think that so Tropical Freeze has a level called Emiss Abyss, and to me, this is like one of my go to examples as far as like if you know people who don't play or don't really understand video games, um, Emiss Abyss is one of my go to examples of like this is how these things are art. And it's it's this culmination of music and visuals and um, just and and you know gameplay and interactivity that is just so uh, inexplicably entrancing. Um, and and this is this is my favorite Donkey Kong level ever um, because I I just I love the silhouette uh, art style. And then the music, if you if you get the opportunity, you should go listen to the music from this level because it is just so incredibly uh, melancholic in in what is actually pretty stressful gameplay. It's it's pretty intense and the music just lulls you into this into this uh, sense of relaxation. On the subject of Retro Studios and Metroid, I'm pretty sure is this the level that has the Metroid cameo in it, by the way? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think there is a, uh, I think there's a Metroid in this level in the background. I remember, somewhere. like we're referring to the Alien Metroid, correct? Yes. Not Samus. Yeah, yeah, yes, not yes, not not titular hero Metroid. Yeah. We're talking about Metroid. I'm Paris. just yeah. saying, some people what, think that her name. What if is Metroid, Metroid was a girl? Yeah, Z- Zelda is great. I love his green his green clothes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, wrapping it up, like right now there's not really a whole lot to be said with regards to where the donkey kong country series could go next or you know when we could even expect to see another entry in the series um recently donkey kong country returns not returns but tropical freezes lead um stephen dupree returned to retro studios but there's no telling whether he returned to retro studios to work on a new donkey kong country game or 
help with the war effort to complete Metroid Prime 4, which I would say is the more likely scenario at play at the moment. Um, do Does anybody here have any particular opinions, thoughts, predictions on the future of the Donkey Kong Country series? Any thoughts on which developer within Nintendo's stable or maybe a third-party developer that they'd like to see the series handed off to next? I, I'm i still hung up on my 3D Classics idea. <laughs> Let's... Nintendo needs to release... Partner up with Sony, release a 3D TV that, you know, that only works for certain Does games. Does Sony and still put, make Put them all TVs? out on that. Nobody I does. Don't, I don't... Yeah, I don't think anybody does mm. anymore. I've been searching uh, for a PS Vita TV on Facebook Marketplace quite a bit. And they keep bringing. I keep seeing the PlayStation Ooh. TV branded TV that was 3D. Nathan, we yeah. should we should. Good luck with that PSV Nathan, TV. I've got. I one. was going to say, Nathan, we should talk after the stream because I have one, and I would be more than happy to figure out how to send it to you. Oh really? Okay, yeah. yeah that'd we'll, be cool. we'll talk off stream. They they have gotten extremely expensive, so <laughs> mm-hmm. especially now that everything's shutting down. Yeah, um, I. I think that I liked uh I think that I liked Returns and Tropical Freeze enough that it's just like you know if Retro can't do it just put it to bed let it let it rest for another 10 years and then maybe maybe have Retro come back to it um AJ you mentioned partner with Sony get a 3D TV out there well if we're going to be doing a big partnership, let's partner with Microsoft and have yeah. Rare make another country game. <laughs> Except that's and not it'll the come same. Straight Rare. to Game Pass. It. I mean, it looks like they have the same artists. To be honest, but Rare's they, not they have the same artists. Everybody who's left Rare who made Donkey Kong. That's actually true. I mean, it's it's a different Rare, but it's it's Thesis's ship, right? It, 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 it's. How much institutional knowledge is there remaining in the studio? Um, okay, WandaVision. <laughs> but I, it's um, no. I mean, I, I think that Rare could do a good job. I, I really enjoy Sea of Thieves, and, and I think Sea of Thieves mm-hmm. uh, artistically definitely proves their uh, proves their their chops. Can I throw something okay. off the wall? Yes. Go for it. Drinkbox Studios. I know the name. What have, what have they They're made? They're the Canadian uh, Toronto-based developer, actually, behind uh, Guacamelee, Severed, Guacamelee 2, oh. and the upcoming Nobody Saves the World. I'm on board with that, because Guacamelee is artistically incredible. It's just, like, I think what the series need, and it's the same thing the Mar- the Mario, whatever the current iteration of the stupid Mario series is. <laughs> it's stupid Mario. Like, you know what I'm talking about the Wii U Mario, uh, the Mario Wii and Mario Wii U. New Super Mario, yeah, New Super Mario Brothers. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, this art style's flat, like, and I feel like they've went to the well with the Donkey Kong Country art style quite a bit too. I'd like to see them shake things up and do something different, and not have like Drinkbox has a very unique style to it. Um, although I think with the Nobody Saves the World coming out, it looks like it's um, quite a bit different because 
the guacamole and severed have a very distinct look to them and this looks different i'd like to see a different artist take on it take on it who can make a good platformer and maybe just maybe let's switch up the donkey kong country play style and maybe build more like an open world with like metroidvania elements into it because they're good at that that's that it's an idea that like uh, like the kind of purist inside me is like, mm, I, I don't know how I feel about that, but I'm, I'm definitely open-minded. I'm definitely willing to see what that looks like. Okay. Tell the, tell the purist inside you to take a backseat for a moment. And I just want you to just think about this. I'm going to say something. Donkey Kong breath of the wild. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, Nathan had, uh-huh. Nathan was like speaking my language, and then he said Metroidvania, and I was like, "Ooh, I'm backing off of that." And then you said uh-huh. Breath of the Wild, and I'm just gonna tell you to please excuse yourself. Mm. <laughs> Wait, do you not like Breath of the Wild either? No, um, I, I mean, if you want to get into that, I think Breath of the Wild is a good game. I think that it doesn't even make my top five Zelda games. Probably yeah. not even my top ten. Uh, but, but it's a good game. That's kind of where I feel with the Breath of the Wild too. A lot of people put it at number one, and I'm like, it's not oh, like no, a top not tier a Zelda chance. for me whatsoever. It's not Majora's Mask or Wind Wind Waker's <laughs> my top Zelda, followed by Link's Awakening. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would say Majora's Mask, uh, Twilight Princess, Wind Waker, Ocarina, um, Link's Awakening, Minish Cap. Actually, I, I really good like one. Minish Cap. Yeah, Donkey. Donkey Kong, King K. Rules, Mask. Okay. You know, AJ, earlier, <laughs> if you had said... Us. AJ, if you had said Donkey Kong Country Genshin Impact earlier instead of Breath of the Wild, I would have been way more down with that. I <laughs> yeah, mean, may- there are so many... Been, yeah. There are so many Kongs in that series that you can have as gotcha pulls. That would have been a real moneymaker for Nintendo, oh but hot, I guess in another... Hatsune Kong. Hatsune Kong. Oh, boy. Oh, God. I'm going to have a heart attack on this podcast. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to Press YZ. If you enjoyed what you just heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share us on our YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitch. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Hang, with, uh, hang out with us on Discord, invite.gg slash PressYZ to do so. And check out our Twitter account, at PressYZ, to stay up to date on when we go live and post new episodes. Next week, on April 7th, Nathan is going to be hosting a WrestleMania-themed episode of the show. To coincide with WrestleMania 37, we are going to be building the ultimate video game character-themed WrestleMania card. So please, look forward to that. Until next time, thank you for playing.